following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I've already admitted to you that um, this season of Advent... Um, has always snuck up on me. Um, it kind of comes out of nowhere, you know, and before you know it, uh, it's Christmas Eve and we're scrambling to wrap presents and, and to find enough little candles for everybody to hold for the Christmas Eve service. And um, But I also admit to you that is because uh, I 100% neglect the season of Advent, uh, or I have. Um, and I don't want to do that this year, and I hope you don't either. Um, that's why we've been to do the um, the Advent devotional together as a family. And there's still time to get on in on that. Uh, there's daily readings through the whole month of December. Um, and even if you just want to join the Facebook group and see what other people are writing, um, that's fine too. Um, and I, I also have to admit that I am very tempted to keep charging through our study in Colossians um, and hope that the text might have some applications to the Advent season and to Christmas. Um, that's especially tempting when you consider that the verses that are next up in our study uh, say, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. Well, that's about Christmas, right? Don't you dare judge my elf on the shelf, right? Or or anything like that. You know, my Lego Advent calendar. You have nothing to say. Well, that's not at all what Paul was talking about, so we're not going to do it. I'm not going to try to stretch that uh, that little tiny blanket over the toes of Christmas. It's not about that at all. So we're going to put that on hold. Okay. So that's terrifying to me. I've been very comfortable in our study of Advent, even though it's challenging. Uh, the text has been challenging. Uh, it's comforting to know uh, what's coming up every week. So, but that's not what we're going to do today. Um, instead, we're going to do something a little different over the next few weeks as we look forward to uh, this celebration and look forward in anticipation um, to the advent of Messiah, the birth of Jesus, the incarnation of our Savior. Um, so I want to ask you, what are the indications that uh, that Christmas is coming? How do you know? Is it just a date? Yes. Okay. Decorations and yeah. Skipping right over it. Yes. Yes. Be thankful as you trample other people to get more stuff. Um, Black Friday. Yes. Uh, yeah. It seems to kind of come out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, it's, uh, I have a favorite Christmas. One of my favorite Christmas songs. I don't remember the most of it, but it's obviously a favorite, right? But. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's just summer 
It feels like it was just summer and, and now, now we're talking snow and mistletoe and blah, blah, blah. I wish I could remember the tune, but I can't right now. But I think, to me, the strongest indicator of Christmas to come is music. Uh, WHOM, Christmas music, 24-7 now. It started the week before Thanksgiving. For crying out loud, give the turkey a chance. But Christmas music, I think, is perhaps one of, uh, at least in my mind, one of the most defining uh, attributes of this season. Um, yes, the twinkle lights are going up and Christmas trees are appearing in people's living rooms um, and the commercials are all have jolly old fat man in red. Um, but it's the music that permeates this whole season. And that's what I want to focus on in the season of Advent. Um, one of my favorite Christmas hymns, actually one of the oldest ones, that we sung this morning is rich with deep theology of Advent. And that's a song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Um, I love this song. It's one of my favorites because it's not so much about, um, I don't know, the crash, you know, and the and the wise men, and the which didn't show up till Jesus was two years old. But um, you know, it's not like that. It's about looking forward, um, looking forward to to Jesus coming. Um, and I recognize this is a risk that we talk about our song, but the song is, uh, like I said, it's rich in good, solid, deep theology. Um, does anybody know who wrote that song? Come thou long expected Jesus? It wasn't Paul Balash or Michael W. Smith. So you guys are really up on your church history. That's cool. Um, Ray Charles? No, no, sorry. It was Charles Wesley. Yeah, says the guy looking at the copyright <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the computer. Yeah, yeah. Charles, Re Charles Wesley. Uh, you um, may have heard of him before. Uh, um, he wrote uh, the text of Come Thou Long Expected Jesus in 1744, before America was born, this song was written, which I think is pretty cool. He wrote it for an Advent hymnal uh, called Hymns for the Nativity of Our Lord. Uh, but the tune that we sung this morning wasn't written until 1844. A hundred years later, it finally get the tune that we know, that was written by Rowland Pritchard, um, and people didn't sing that in America until 1847. Writing all this down is life-changing. Well, the words, I think, are. I want to just talk about the first stanza this morning. In the first stanza, Wesley sets out the main themes of the season of Advent, all related to the long-held Jewish expectation for the Messiah's coming. Just listen to the words. I'll try not to sing them. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. 
The second stanza translate the Hebrew messianic expectation into Christian fulfillment. It says, Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine own sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. I have to wonder if Wesley didn't have the words of Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 9, in his mind when he wrote these words. Listen to the words of Isaiah. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Do you hear? Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Messiah, Jesus, has been, had been prophesied. God the Father spoke of him way back in Genesis 3. Do you know that? That's the first mention of Messiah. When God said to the serpent, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. Hmm. And here, Isaiah's words were written around 700 years or so before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Do you know that? Messiah Jesus was certainly long expected. He was also born to set his people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Isaiah 42, 6 says, I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. Freedom from the blindness and darkness of sin was why Jesus would come. They had no idea that he would accomplish this in his own death on a Roman cross. Messiah Jesus came so that, as we talked about last week in Colossians 2, he came so that we who were dead in our trespasses and sins and the uncircumcision of our flesh, hiding the pride of our hearts, God made alive together with Jesus permanently having forgiven us all our sins by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. 
through faith in Jesus, we're set free. Right? We're set free from fear, free from sin, free from condemnation. He did the work on the cross so that we would be able to rest in Him. See, the fear that we have is fear that we are not good enough. So we work to make ourselves better. The fear that we have is that some would be able to point out a fault in us. But the judgment of others is irrelevant. It's the judgment of God that matters. And through faith in Jesus, we have no longer any condemnation. We are free from that burden. The long-expected Messiah Jesus was also called the strength and consolation of Israel. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. It's hard to imagine that Wesley was thinking of anything other than the prophet Simeon from Luke chapter 2. We all know Simeon. No? That's okay. Luke 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem. Uh, Luke 2:25. excuse me. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Messiah was called desire of nations in Haggai 2.7. This also translated the treasures of the nation, the treasure of the nations, what the people would seek after. And Paul says in 2 Timothy 4.8, that the Lord has a crown of righteousness for all those who long for his appearing. As Wesley put it, the joy of every longing heart. The season of Advent is a season of longing. Not just longing for Christmas Day, not just longing to open up those presents that have been staring us in the face for weeks on end, not just longing for time with friends and family, but a longing for the coming of Christ. Not just Christ as a baby, but Christ the coming Messiah who will return again. And those who look forward in eager expectation to the first advent, the first coming of Messiah as a baby born in Bethlehem, just as they look forward to that coming, we look forward to the second advent, the second coming of Messiah. And that's why the group of churches we're connected with are called Advent Christian churches. It's not Seventh-day Adventists. It's Advent looking forward to the second coming of Christ. We are Second Advent Church. As Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18, 
For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. That's a song I look forward to in the season of Advent, the trumpet call of God. See, the season of Advent is not just looking backwards at the anticipation of other generations who were waiting for Messiah to come back in antiquity, in the old days. The season of Advent reminds us that we too are waiting in eager expectation for the Lord's return to us. And so, as we look forward to the Lord's imminent return, we can sing these same words with a whole new direction. Not only looking backwards in history, but looking forward to our redemption when Christ returns. Physically, visibly, not a secret. And we can sing, Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. We sing that in eager expectation of the Lord's second coming when he will return to gather his church into his eternal kingdom. I look forward to that day. Don't you? I pray that the season of Advent will shift gears for you this year. So look forward to the return of Christ, not just a baby in a manger, but the conquering king. Amen? Amen. Bless it, pray. Father, we thank you um, for this reminder that this season is not just about uh, a baby, but also the coming king. It's both. We thank you, Lord, for the incarnation of Christ that you took on flesh and dwelt among us. And by faith in you, your work on the cross on our behalf, your eternal life, we too can have eternal life, forgiveness of sin, and adoption as sons and daughters of God. Lord, in this season, we pray that you would shift our focus from trees and presents to the coming of Messiah looking forward in eager expectation for the trumpet to sound and the clouds to roll back as a scroll and that you come on high mighty in power we look forward to that day and prepare our hearts Lord we ask it in Jesus name Amen If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support Checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.